Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. My name is Richard, and I'm the podcast announcer. In his sermon, A Prayer Hearing God, Jonathan Edwards wrote, Hence we may learn how highly we are privileged, in that we have the highest revealed to us who is a God that heareth prayer. The podcast aims to exhort, encourage, and explore how to enjoy that privilege to the utmost. Edwards then also says, A God who delights in mercy and is rich unto all that call upon him. Join Fred as we unpack, as you groovy young people say these days, the nurturing of our growing, biblical, dynamic, and soul-satisfying communion with God Almighty. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. My name is Fred, and I am the podcast host. I have been, in the last few days, in the middle of some repentance and sorrow and conviction for sins in general. But in the midst of that, I am ready to proclaim, thank you, Jesus, for our salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for teaching us your word and preserving your word until the day that all is accomplished. All those are wonderful things. And in fact, I'm in the middle of actually testing one of the things that I've learned in the last few days or the things that I've been reminded of. And one of those is that Jonathan Edwards talks about joy in the Lord and joy in the Lord alone. And he also talks about when we are working on sin and when we are repenting, that it's not a matter of willpower. If it was a matter of willpower, he says, then we would get the glory and not God. It's, an, it's a matter of depending on him. And in the midst of that, I was struck by a few things this week and convicted. So I've been in prayer and confession for a few days. And it's a joy, but it is a special joy. And we've talked about that a little bit before. Today's devotion is on confession, however, because we know confession is one of the four consistent keys elements, I mean, of prayer. We overhear the confession of the saints all the way through the biblical record. We read about them every time we go to the Word. And of course, we saw this when Jesus teaches prayer in Matthew 6, 12. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And obviously, that's not a specific confession, but that is confession. And with those elements, each of them, including confession, the implication is that our confession is an everyday thing. It's an everyday occurrence. And we might ask, why do we confess our sins every day? And the answer, of course, is because we have sins every day. We sin every day. And there's a level, of course, that I'm trying to be a little poetic here, but there's a level in which our sin follows us around, sort of like an old bothersome acquaintance that we can't seem to shake. He or she is always there. They're always bothersome. And after a time, we may just get used to having them around. And yet there are other times when our sorrow over our sins, just like we talked about with Yahweh Perazim, where God breaks through, like uh, the water busting through a dam, Our sins break through to our consciousness, to our thoughtfulness, maybe to what we're praying, maybe to a specific confession that we get from the Bible. And our sorrow, our confession, just bursts forth. 
And it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. And most of the time, it's unbidden. Remember, David was confronted by Nathan the prophet over Bathsheba. Sometimes it happens that way. Other times, we just get reminded of our sin, the depths of our sin, and our sorrow and repentance is explosive. And our sorrow may even last a few days, like a prolonged storm that reaches us. Very often, it sneaks up on us, like I said, in many ways. And the sorrow may linger and the pain may linger as we pray and repent and and even ask God what he's doing in the moment. The good news is, the miraculous news is, that's what the gospel is, right? We're not alone when we do this. Like I said, read your Bible and you'll find saints doing this all the time. We're not alone. And the explosive, humbling repentance and deep sorrow is actually an indication that we are saved. When you take a look, let's say, at the biblical character David, King David from the Hebrews, God's supernatural work in his life was the only difference between him and the reprobate Saul. David was called, he was called a man after God's own heart. And one of the ways, one of the principal ways we know this is accurate, aside from the fact that in Samuel and in Acts, God says, David's a man after my own heart. One of the other ways we know is David's complete and utter repentance and confession throughout his life. If you were to take a look strictly at what they did, they're the same person. But one of the indicators in our lives and in the life life of David is his repentance. We believe he is in the presence of Christ and Saul is not because David repented of his sin. Saul never repented. Saul lied. Saul minimized his own sins, and he tried to maximize his half-hearted attempts at obedience, but he never, ever repented. His response to the rebuke of God in his life was anger at David, anger at God, and even at one point trying to find a medium that would help him out. He was sad, just like it says Esau was in Hebrews, But he never believed and he never repented. So we are not alone. And in fact, I read a quote. I probably should have saved it, but I didn't. It was either Spurgeon, I think, or or Martin Lloyd-Jones. But they said repentance is continual because sin is continual. And yet we're reminded very graphically, as I have been this week, that there are times when we just get washed over by the weight and sorrow of our own sin. It's like a sudden wave at the beach that comes up really quickly and drives us. It overtakes us and it drives us under the water, maybe down to the sand, maybe even on the rocks. Yet again, the good news is, as we learn to believe the Bible more fully, we won't be surprised by the depth or the consistency of our sin. We'll understand that, just like Spurgeon or Jones said, our confession is continual because our sin is continual. And even though we know 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have that through the blood of Jesus. It still affects us from time to time. And we may be affected like Moses. Remember a few days ago, 
In Psalm 90, he says, For all our days have declined in a fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. And then Nehemiah in 519, all of a sudden he's going through everything he's doing. And all of a sudden he just calls out, Remember me, O my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. And when we get overwhelmed like that, we may, we may be tempted to fear that we have been forgotten by our Savior. Our devotion today is to listen to the Word of God and to realize that our repentance, our confession, our conviction, which comes upon us suddenly and rolls over us, in that moment, we may cry a long time out to God, or we may cry a short time. Ezra in Ezra 9, reading the Word of God, he sees the sins of the people and he sees the sins of himself. And he says, it says in Ezra 9, that he sat when he first read it, after he first read it, he sat appalled all day long. When he arose for the evening offering, finally, he had torn his robe and he was sitting appalled. He offered this prayer. This is Ezra 9, 5 and following. But at the evening offering, I arose in my humiliation, even with my garment and my robe torn I fell on my knees and I stretched out my hands to the Lord my God. And I said, O my God, I am ashamed and embarrassed to lift up my face to thee, my God. For our iniquities have risen above our heads and our guilt has grown even to the heavens. Since the days of our fathers to this day, we have been in great guilt. And on account of our iniquities, we, our kings, our priests, have been given into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, and to plunder, and to open shame as it is this day. All day long this feeling of repentance washed over Ezra. And yet at the same time in Luke 18, we've read this before, but the tax gatherer standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Why, 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 we ask, our, we ask ourselves, do we sin and sin and sin, and then suddenly become overwhelmed by all our sins, and we cry and weep and repent? Robert Bruce might have a little insight into that. He was in the midst of a controversy with his king, and it was at a point when he wasn't actually believing the king, King James VI, I think. And he was had a friend who was trying to get him back into the good graces of the king, and the guy was questioning him, questioning Bruce, and he said, don't you believe that what the king said? You know, he said, I believe, but it wasn't like wholeheartedly. So the guy asked him again if he was fully persuaded. And Robert Bruce, interestingly enough, responded this way with actually this truth. Not my Lord as I should be. This is the interesting part. If you and I both were fully persuaded that there was a hell, we would do otherwise than we do. That's an almost, I believe, help thou my unbelief, right? He wanted to believe the king. He wasn't fully convinced. And he used the example of how we live to illustrate that. David says, my sin is ever before me. And those things are true, both from Robert Bruce and from David, because we are not home yet. We're not in our new bodies. We still have this flesh which craves sin. 
one of the things that precipitated this was the reminder that Jonathan Edwards puts forth as our goal in this life to be a so to be so enamored of Jesus and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and who they have revealed themselves to be, that we are carried away in love to do what our Savior desires. And we sin less not because of our willpower, but because of our love for him and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he talks about broken-hearted joy and the great blessing of broken-hearted joy, the depth of joy that Christians have because we have broken hearts. And you've heard me talk about this, being broken at the foot of the cross. The fullness of joy and contentment and love that I find there is just as overwhelming as that big wave of sorrows that I get on my skin. So what of broken-hearted joy? How can that be? How can the Christian, and actually only Christians, have broken-hearted joy? When we pray things like, Oh my God, I am ashamed and embarrassed to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities have risen above our heads and our guilt has grown even to the heavens. Or God, be merciful to me. How do those things, those feelings, those emotions of sorrow lead to such joy, that broken-hearted joy? It's because we believe the whole counsel of God. Ezra in 9.8 again says, But now for a brief moment, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us an escaped remnant and to give us a peg in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and grant us a little reviving in our bondage. In Luke 18, Be merciful to me, Savior. What does Jesus say? I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. We have that broken-hearted joy because our souls glory in our forgiveness and the love of God. And we can echo with Peter as he's talking to us in 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. I love that phrase. Obtaining, that was me, as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. My beloved brothers and sisters, Christian souls, never forbid yourself that bursting forth with sorrow and tears at the brokenness of your soul for your own sins. And perhaps, as Bruce's quote that we used a little bit earlier implies, if we believed more fully what the Word of God says, we would live differently and repent explosively more than we do. But please don't linger on that. Linger on the fact that as we confess and believe, we understand his promises are forever. And let those times that are going to come, let those times of great sorrow be a part of your assurance. You are a child of God. His promises are true. Thank you for listening. Meditate on those verses, that explosive joy, that broken-hearted joy, and let the Holy Spirit do his work. From now until we talk again, 
This is my secret prayer for all of us. Not really a secret, but it's what I'm going to be praying and actually have been the last few days. The words of the hymn, And since he bids me seek his face, believe his word and trust his grace, I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer. He is taking care of every care. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. We are praying God uses this episode in some way to encourage your communion with the Holy Savior to sustain your soul. Fred wanted me to tell you he's sorry if you've tried to contact us through Facebook or Twitter. His quote to me was, I don't understand either my Facebook page or Twitter. You can still contact us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com and Instagram is still freerangeministries if you'd like to contact us there. I'm Richard Durrington and still available at durringtonr at gmail.com or visit richarddurrington.com. And until next time, we will pray for one another.